And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, a man who, whenever he walks into the club, it's always a players-only meeting. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? There we go. Doing doing well, Kieran. We keep it 100. <laughs> Cody, Cody. They did it again to us. They did it again. The Tigers did it again to us where the things were... We're talking about valleys and mountains. And it was low. It was low this week. As low as I felt this season, definitely. And probably even last year, honestly. Because last year had different expectations. And this year, right, we all know this is not breaking news. It's a very low valley. And then they finished the week with uh, an offensive surplus, the likes of which we literally have not seen this year. So it's 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 still a weird vibe to kind of talk about them in a in a weekend wrap up uh, type session. But we'll go chronologically. We'll go chronologically. It was bad. It was bad to begin this week, and the. Uh, the apex of the lows, there's your oxymoron, the apex of the lows was that there was a players-only meeting on Wednesday after dropping a 13 nothing game where, what, what was it, three, four position players pitched, something like that? Three. Three. I mean, that was it. I mean, because that was a day game, so I'm like, at work, I actually got in trouble for having video streaming while I'm working, which is <laughs> really, like, side note, like, Friendly reminder, you're not allowed to watch videos while you're at work. It was the damn 13 nothing game! That sucked. I'm sorry. That was a side rant. That It wasn't really worth getting a reprimand when they lost like that. But it happens. It happens. It's okay. We moved on. Everything's alright. On my accord. It was not alright at the time for the Tigers. And I'm going through Twitter. And, I'm, and you and your fellow beat writers are talking about, like, Clubhouse is not open. I believe... And you do this so well on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. It's like, this is not normal. <laughs> it's just like a very, very simple, functional sentence that just kind of puts it out there in a way that everybody can understand. This is not normal. So, what? before we get to the good times, let's talk about the bad a little bit. What was, what was going on that game, which had to be miserable to watch? I think everybody could agree. And then you're like, all right, we got to go talk to AJ, you know, see what player, you know, blah, 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 your normal routine, and you're not able to sort of do the normal function. So just kind of, can we start out this by just kind of take us to that day and the and the vibes, and, and you wrote about that on The Athletic. It, there's a lot of things going on, like, just just kind of take us there for, for, for the listeners, please. Oh, man, I've tried to erase it from my memory or maybe i, I kind of like blacked out like this because it was just so you know because it was just so awful it's one of those things you just you just kind of try to forget about um obviously a terrible horrible very bad baseball game in which not only did the tigers get blown out it looked like they kind of gave up about halfway through the game and really they literally gave up when when aj began using position players to pitch Starting in the seventh inning, like as soon as possible. I get it. Save, I get it. Save the bullpen and everything, but like, 
it, it, it was funny because we were talking with AJ, like I think the day before, just about the increased use of position players pitching across the league. And I was like, it's kind of crazy that it took people 120 years to figure out that you actually just use a position player whenever you want. It doesn't have to be only the ninth inning, you know? And uh, AJ was like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we all start seeing more of it. Uh, I don't think he knew at the time when he said that, that he would be the guy to bring out three, count them three, position players, including Clemens, where number 21 throwing about half as hard as his father amazing in bad ways um i also think it's amazing because they tell him like don't throw more than 45 or 50 miles an hour and so you have these world-class athletes looking completely uncoordinated because they're actually having to prevent themselves from like 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 any major league baseball player can throw the ball at least 80 miles an hour off a mound i'm pretty sure and you know these guys are trying to make themselves throw 50 and they just look idiotic in the process Good point. Yeah. it's embarrassing so this whole game's embarrassing it's a train wreck post game you know aj finally starts getting grilled about scott Coolbaugh and is it time to make a change and if you're not making a change then how do you justify that if you're just doing the same thing and and, you know, AJ's fine. He, he answers everything as thoroughly as he can. And then we go to the clubhouse. And, you know, I think the mood was just already miserable. Everyone's kind of ready to go home by that point. You know, I think I tweeted the game was just a – it was a shit show. Like, it was one of the worst games I've ever covered. And then the clubhouse doors just aren't opening. And it's like, okay. And then they're still just not open. It's like – Okay, and then they're still just not open, and it's like, uh, all right, so let's start thinking of the possibilities. Someone's getting fired. Uh, Chris Fetter just came in and told everyone, deuces. Uh, Chris Illich is in there firing everybody, <laughs> um, or they're having some sort of team meeting, okay? And no one got fired, ends up it was a, a team, um, What's the word we're using? I don't know. We're not supposed to use the word meeting. I think at least two players like it wasn't a meeting. It was just we all sat there and talked. It's like, no, that's there's like the setback thing. Okay, so it was a meeting. No, what you know? They they didn't want to build it up like a connotation. They're all like in the batting cage, sitting there talking. Supposedly it wasn't contentious, which I almost believe that. I think Eric Haas said it pretty well. He's like, we're past that. I think they've had so many games. They probably are speaks volumes, past the, the point of just like being pissed off it was probably more of just like come to jesus like okay this really sucks guys like what can we do what are your frustrations don't know a whole lot of specifics that were discussed um don't know who called the meeting either tucker barnard did not want to answer that question which um i'm sure he's just trying to like keep stuff internal but that's another question I have. Like we've talked about kind of the absence of leadership and I'm like, whose idea was this meeting? You know, be great like, who's know. the most likely I am not real sure. Like Tucker would have been one of my guesses or maybe like, like maybe Robbie Grossman, but even those two guys aren't the more senior members of the team. I have a feeling like Harold Castro did not call this meeting, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe he did good for Harold if he did. So anyway, they talked things out. The vibe in the actual clubhouse post game wasn't as like awful as you might think. I feel like it was definitely pretty empty. Um, 
and it was quiet, but it wasn't like tense. No one was yelling either. They had already got all that out or it was so late after the, like everyone had kind of emotionally decompressed already, I think. Uh, but it was a very bad day. It was a day where you start sensing a lot of things coming to a head where you start to wonder what the hell is going on in the front office where you start to wonder like, you know, just how is the play on the field possibly this bad and where do the Tigers go from here? I started, I think it started raising a lot of big picture questions. Um, I talked a lot with Ken Rosenthal this week, just kind of trying to figure out like what is going on in this organization and how did the Tigers get to such a low, low point? Because it was, uh, there have been a couple moments this year that I think you could call rock bottom. This one topped it all. I think that was the definition of rock bottom. You bring up, I'm glad you brought up the who called the meeting thing because that actually, I kind of joked on Twitter. It's like, you know, who called the meeting, you know, wrong answers only or, you know, something like that. And, and it's not like it got a lot of traction, but I was very curious. And as you said, as we've talked about in this podcast, like who is the spearhead leader of this team? I would love for that person to kind of come forward because in some way that would make you a face of the organization even if it was you know i'm just like even if it was like harold castro like who obviously is never going to be like the face of the organization that's a he's, he's kind of the face of the organization this year <laughs> well yeah i mean you got you got a lot of a lot of we've had a lot of hitting harold content this year for sure but I just, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, now, this guy is a loon, so I'm not going to, like, recommend you follow him on Twitter, but Dan Dockich, <laughs> college basketball, you know, or used to be oh. ESPN college basketball uh, color analyst, he said one time during a game, this is years ago, he said, uh, he said, don't give me, the, and he used to be, he was a college basketball player and a college basketball coach at the university of indiana so there's some credence there just if anyone doesn't follow college basketball he said don't give me this crap about lead by example you lead by being a leader and that that's it's one of those weird things that kind of sticks with me as i'm trying to like assess teams you know it's like you lead by being a leader you are vocal you are out in front you are taking the heat you know you are demanding accountability like if we want to do a detroit sports example uh isaiah thomas didn't lead by example you know what i mean he just led so you know th those sort of things are what i'm looking for if they want to keep it internal everybody wants to keep things internal like you know blah 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 okay fine but i think it could have been played up a little not played up because i don't it's not something to be promoted, but it, it it could have been displayed in a more substantive way, I guess, it, it, it is how I would put it. And You could be real and just admit it was a meeting. You, you could also you know? use... <laughs> Number one, there's a good term. place to start. We're going to start calling this podcast not a podcast, just an audio recording of two people talking about something. It's not a podcast, though. That's not a podcast. It's, just... it's not a podcast. We don't want you to think that this is, you know... <laughs> Some big operation here, because it's really not, you know. <laughs> but it, it, 
there were a lot of things going wrong at that time, and you know we were talking just before we uh, flipped the mics on to use a analogy that's not actually technically correct. But before we flipped the mics on, we were talking about uh, what we you know what we should talk about on this not podcast thing that we do, and. I was like, all right, you know, run down this, run down that, uh, anything else. And you're like, oh, we got to talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. And I was like, Eduardo Rodriguez! I completely forgot because it's just like there's so many things happening this week. Some bad, some good. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez away from the team indefinitely, which is one of my favorite, least favorite words in sports, indefinitely. It's like accurate but also lazy. It's like just don't ask us about this until we tell you anything more <laughs> um to to tend to a personal matter uh report surface including from you that has to do with a marital issue and it's one of those things where like as a as someone who wants to see him perform for my favorite baseball team i hate it because like he's not gonna be there you know like he's not gonna help my favorite baseball team. Uh, on a human-to-human on a human issue, I hope everything's okay with him. I just... And I get it. I'm not criticized. Like... I get why they do the vagueness of, like, marital issue. I just don't like it when it's vague enough that we just have to, like, let our minds wander into areas that... I don't really want my mind to wander. So, it was kind of hinted at later in the week, and then you get the official statement, which what was it, three sentences from Alavila. It's like, personal issue, no more comment, indefinitely, whatever. I just, I don't know. It, it, I, I hope everything's all right with him, obviously. That's more important than anything else. Uh, but, I, but I, the mind has to wander to things that I don't want to wander with with it with Eduardo Rodriguez. Is there is, is that fair? Am I being fair to Tigers PR here or what? I don't know. I think it was very poor messaging. And I don't even know who I don't know if, if this comes from Al originally or Eduardo or PR or you know, I don't even know how that all comes together. But I think it was poorly executed because things like this come up a lot where a player's away from the team or something is going on and if it's not a big deal um usually there's some way to convey to the media and then thus to the public that like this guy's gone but it's all right you know he didn't do anything bad jamer last year um right jamer yeah even and aj does this all the time he'll be like hey you guys can't write this but and then he'll kind of tell us what's actually going on. And, of course, we won't report it, but we'll be able to frame it as in, like, you know, where here, everyone, Al's statement's incredibly vague. AJ was far more kind of just tight-lipped than he normally is to where it just made it seem like uh, something, like, heinous was going on or something at least very um, out of the ordinary, and, you know, I, I checked uh, court records and police records in Oakland County and Wayne County, Lucas County in Toledo, um, Miami, where Eduardo lives, and New York, which is the last place I saw Eduardo. 
So I probably shouldn't have had to done th do do that if someone could have just been like, hey, it's a which if which we would have known three days later, people are going to start going around saying, hey, it's a it's a marital issue, and we checked, and there's there's nothing criminal at all. Um, he's, he was just kind of embarrassed. That's literally the extent of what I know about the Eduardo Rodriguez situation. I hope that is the truth. I hope everything is okay with him personally, uh, with marriage, with, you know, whatever other things might stem from that. Um, it, but I'm still a little skeptical. Like there's gotta be a little more going on here because of how incredibly vague it was. Not to mention whatever is going on is serious enough that, that Eduardo is um, not just stepping away from the team, but stepping away in, in an indefinite manner and, and forfeiting his pay as a result of that. Um, I'll kind of leave it at that because I, I certainly don't want to speculate anymore, but just if that's all there is to it, I don't really think it's fair to Eduardo Rodriguez because I think it caused a lot of people to come up with theories. I think it caused a lot of people to be like, is he just quitting on the team? I think it hurt his perception in a way that if what we know is, the little we know is true, could have been handled in a in a more nuanced manner. Yeah, um, I guess I'll kind of close it out with this. I don't really want to read an update, and I kind of use it in quotes, like an update on what's going on by clicking on a new york post article that too that too you know what i mean and again all they said all it said was just like marital issue but at this like as you said there's a way to do it to where like the people around the team who know eduardo know him as a human and all that stuff can like there was no reason that like that could have been the thing from the get-go and i gotta click on a new york post article about what a raggy is being right with right and you know these things always come out anyway yeah. so someone was eventually going to leak that and i've kind of talked about it like eduardo just has been um a little bit strange to deal with all year even in spring training so that gets you thinking like what what could be going on with this guy and i don't know again i'm i'm just gonna leave it right there but yeah um all very odd very odd and yeah I'm not going to say it's a smooth transition, but we got to go to another topic. So we're just going to literally go here and not be like, oh, speaking of odd. No, we're not doing that. However, <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> uh, there was a change in the team's output, obviously, toward the end of the week. Uh, heartbreaking loss on Thursday to the Texas Rangers because, again, we're talking about the next day after players-only meeting, then you give up. You have your all-star closer give up a three-run triple in the ninth inning with, I believe, two outs. Correct me if I'm wrong here. There's There's been a lot of information I've had to delve into since then, but it was, uh, it was not great. Um, but on the lighter note, before we kind of get onto some stuff, I, I decided to listen to the Texas Rangers broadcast Thursday specifically because I wanted to see what what how they kind of portrayed the Tigers and uh and I expect no one else to really know this Cody you would know it but no one else really should know it 
well-respected production team on the radio side for for, for the Rangers. Very they good. do a great job there. Um, they have their own version of, of, of Dan Dickerson, who's amazing. And so I was like, okay, you know, how, how are they talking about the Tigers? So I jotted down some notes as, uh, as I'm listening and, uh, and a couple extra nuggets in there because it, obviously this, uh, this game was, was at Detroit. So they talk about the ballpark a couple times. So. I'm just going to kind of read them out and then, you know, jump in whenever you see fit, Cody. Uh, <laughs> Victor Reyes was leading off that game, and uh, the, Eric Nidell in the broadcast said, uh, Victor Reyes is in the ball well, unlike his teammates. <laughs> <laughs> And again, it wasn't in a jerk-off way or anything. He's not wrong. It, yeah, not wrong. not wrong. It was, you know, everybody knows how, how these broadcasters go. Uh, also kind of funny to hear somebody explain that Harold and Willie are not related. <laughs> and it, like, go down as, like, one's from Venezuela, one's from Puerto Rico. You know, like, go down that train. That was kind of entertaining. Uh, Miguel Cabrera came up that game, and he had a base hit to right field. They said that is the signature hit for Miguel Cabrera, which is uh, obviously not inaccurate. And then the color guy comes in and says, that's really all he is right now. <laughs> Singles hitter to opposite field. Um, not wrong. But, but, and then they go... It's, it's interesting to hear it. someone put, a, put it that bluntly. And, and go, but, you, but when the team is hitting as poorly as the Tigers are, you, can't, you really can't complain about that. That's what the, that's what the guy said. <laughs> Uh, did give uh, did give a shout out to the quote iconic and traditional uniform with the old English D so that was nice uh, the quote center field is large was said uh, <laughs> early in the broadcast pretty good defensive infield not so much in the outfield is, is, uh, is what they said <laughs> They were hoping this 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 was my favorite. This is my favorite. They were hoping that Derek Hill would be that guy, but uh, talking about being the center fielder, hoping that Derek Hill would be that guy, but he can't hit. And if he can't hit in this lineup, that's a problem. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, that, there's some layers there. Uh, beautiful ballpark. Talking about Comerica Park, obviously beautiful ballpark. Uh, complimented how Comerica Park uh, pays homage to the history of the Tigers, so that was cool. Made very clear that there are five hitters in a lineup who are hitting below 200. And spent a good amount of time about histor how historically bad offensively the Tigers are this year, specifically to the OPS for the team, which is actually kind of funny looking back about how the series ended offensively for the Tigers. So there you go. That's pretty funny. Um, regarding Jonathan Scope, they said that he's had a devil a devil of a time against lefties, hitting about 140 against lefties. Uh, a devil of a time. That's, uh, that's a good one. That's, uh, that's Texas, Throwing it back. Texas broadcasters for you. A devil of a time. Um <laughs> On Spencer Torkelson, which again, this is kind of funny now, given how we finished the series. 
Spencer Torkelson was as polished a hitter out of a, out of college we've seen in recent years, and also they really did go in 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 depth as much as you can for like you know a visiting broadcast regarding his lost 2020 season, talking about how he didn't get to play in the minors after uh, after being drafted, and then the other guy chimed in. It's like not only did he not get to play in the minors, he didn't get to finish his last college season. So they they kind of, for lack of a better term, went to bat for Spencer and talking about his struggles and about how big that 2020 year was, which I believe I'm probably one of the more vocal people talking about how much of a hindrance that was in many ways for this specific Tigers, you know, rebuild. Uh, I I do believe we're still the economy is feeling ramifications of that. We're feeling ramifications of that. Uh, watching the Tigers this year. Uh, mentioned that the Tigers average, again, kind of funny, because it's Thursday. Keep in mind, this is all Thursday. How they average 0.5 home runs per game, <laughs> and uh, which is lowest in the league and lowest of the... Uh, or the, the Rangers, by the way, came in averaging 1.25 home runs per game. And they mentioned that the Tigers only average 2.7 runs per game. And that is the lowest of the DH era. No one in the DH era has ever averaged less than three runs per game. And uh, they were talking about how the Tigers are going to have to really get the bats going in order to get that average up. So, you know, kind of funny given what happened later. Uh, Talked about how if you're not scoring runs, you can be overly aggressive, sending a runner from second to home, (laughs) a la Eric Haas. And they... I I guess give them credit because you know technically the the point what happened on the field was on their side but they really did over they they underrated Haas's speed they said well he's not really known as a runner it's like well Haas is fast I was People like have been I, trying to spread the I think word you're really no just saying that because he's a catcher like if he wasn't a catcher yes. you wouldn't say it's like oh not known for his speed uh, right let's see let's see. Uh, <laughs> they they described the players only meeting based on reporting they had read as that there were conversations that were non-library level loud <laughs> where did they read that report because i didn't even see that where can i find this report i'll get that non-library level loud that's what that's what they said <laughs> I want to know where they get, how do they have more information than me? Damn. Yeah, non library and of course that phrasing, non-library level loud. Uh, they were also very surprised, very surprised that through four innings it was a 0-0 game. They were shocked. Uh, <laughs> they did warn Ranger viewers of the bullpen. Uh, and again, kind of funny given what happened in that game. You don't want to let the Tigers get a lead because despite their record, their bullpen is is great or, you know, whatever. And then, of course, you know, we know what happened there in that game. They did give Brisky a lot of credit for, you know, they gave his numbers and they were talking about, but you got to look at the teams he's faced, Yankees, Dodgers, Blue Jays, you know, that kind of thing. So they were, they were really talking up Brisky given what he's had to kind of go through in the early onset of his career. Uh... They describe Soto as more fly ball than ground ball pitcher. And they noted that 
his fastball rate with two strikes is 80%, which is among the highest. Ooh. And they also were surprised that he's only thrown one wild pitch this season uh, coming <laughs> into to the game. So so there you go. There's a, that's, there you go. You want some honest opinion that maybe doesn't have all the information but is obviously unbiased. There, there's your rundown of. Uh, I like it. I like, I like someone else just lay. I think that's all very factual. Laying out the facts, not sugarcoating it, telling it like it is from another yeah. team's perspective. Because Dan does this. Anyone that listens to the broadcast, he does this for yeah. the opposing team all the time. Oh, this guy is not much power. He does this or whatever. You know, these guys do the research. They understand what's what's going on and. Everything in that. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. There's there's one more. Uh, I wrote Castro, and I'm an idiot. I didn't. Re- I don't remember which Castro it was. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was Willie. But he had he had a deep fly ball that uh, was caught, and uh, they made note that that would have been a home run in zero ballparks because they talked about how deep the ballpark was, and uh. they're like, and it's caught near the warning track. And that ball, you know, it would have been a home run in very many parks. You know, they, they like, you know, kind of made note of that. So I found that kind of entertaining. Um, and they did talk, uh, obviously, when you're talking about ballpark and stuff, they talk about the Juan Gonzalez thing and moving the moving the, the fence in and, and all that stuff and just the general dimensions about the, you know, how it goes out at right center and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I... First of all, they have a great team. They have a great team, uh, broadcast team. The Rangers do, and I know you know that having covered the Rangers before. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was all pretty good information. So I hope people are entertained. You, you're not getting that in any other Tigers podcast. No other Tigers podcast listened to the visiting broadcast and wrote on a yellow legal pad uh, the things they said about your favorite baseball team. So that's why you come to turning the corner, right? You know. <laughs> Someone suggested we were going to have to change the name of this podcast, though, and they might be right. I don't know if we're turning the corner here anymore. My, my idea was maybe we're turning <laughs> we're slammed on the brakes. Turning around. <laughs> turning, turning around. Turning. Stuck at a stoplight. Something. <laughs> Stalled out. Uh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, like I say that a lot of that stuff that the Rangers broadcasters were noting was valid. And as I mentioned, kind of funny going, you know, what happened after that. You know, it was a 7 nothing game the day after. That's fine. But then the Tigers score 14 runs. And then the Tigers score 7 runs. So 21 runs in two games to close the series. Uh, I'm still not sure it actually happened. I don't know. Uh, that was kind of strange. The biggest difference that we saw... Riley Green. Riley Green made his Major League debut uh, in, in terms of excitement on Twitter and in terms of what I could gather from people in the stands. There was some added juice having Riley Green in the uh, in the lineup making his Major League debut, getting a nice little, nice little bloop single to begin his MLB career. That's pretty cool. And seeing his family in the stands, which is obviously awesome. Uh, if we want to go results-based, also a little juice in the Tigers lineup, Cody. I don't know how much to overrate it, but 2-0 in the Riley Green era. He, he's 
gone two for five, and he's got four walks. Four walks in two games. I actually, I wish I would have looked this up now. Has uh, any other Tiger had four walks in two games this year? I mean, pro- <laughs> survey says not likely, but the Riley Green experience, we finally got to see him. It was long overdue, uh, and, and and he lived up to the billing, even if, even if he didn't like barrel, barrel, uh, like he's capable of, but it was great to see him out there. Especially, by the way, in the Detroit Stars uniform, that was great. I'm glad that that's part going to be a part of his history forever. You know, if he becomes anything, his major league debut, his first hit in the Detroit Stars uniform, that was great. Yeah, so I took, um, I basically took like one home game off. Like it was probably be the only home game I miss all year. Took it off. My girlfriend's family had a, a golf outing um, up in kind of outside Saginaw, Chesaning, Michigan. And I wasn't sure if I was going to go. I had really waited to the last minute to commit. I was mostly worried, like, could this be when Riley Green gets called up? And played it till pretty cr- close to the deadline, you know. Got the indication Riley Green was not going to be called up this, this weekend. And so I'm on hole, like, 16 with four Miller lights and, like, a couple of Jello shots and... Check the phone. All right, the number two prospect has been called up. And I just, I mean, I just lost it. Like, because it's like, I mean, it's like, what are the odds, you know? And that that was also like, you know, a scoop I I really wanted to break. And it didn't work out that way because it's the 2022 Tigers and nothing is normal. Austin Meadows gets COVID. And so they have to call someone up. They call Riley. Like, I didn't even like. Like they they made it public right as soon as Riley found out. It was it was crazy. It was sporadic. Riley, um, of course, didn't get there to the next the next day. So I did my best to enjoy the rest of the day. Um, although it wasn't quite as fun from there. But you know what? The next day, Riley's debut was a lot of fun. He's obviously a special talent, as I'm sure we've discussed here. As I'm sure anyone who follows the Tigers knows and I gotta be honest even despite seeing some of these guys Spencer Torkelson Cody Clemens other rookies across the league struggle I just wasn't surprised that Riley Green came up and just made it look easy just boom knock in his first at bat you know draws some walks like he just has a knack for making things look easy working the count working the count now how that translated to Robbie Grossman suddenly hitting a home run and <laughs> and Javi Baez you know connecting with the baseball and the rest of the lineup hitting i have no idea how that works out sports are weird like that the tigers score more in one day than i think they had the, the previous 10 games combined or 7 games 7 games combined uh, baseball's a strange mercurial sport. Robbie Grossman ends up hitting homers on back-to-back days after going 49 games without a single homer. Some of this stuff you just can't explain. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it because we've seen a couple little peaks for the Tigers already this season, and the reality is this year is pretty much lost. But, you know, is it the team meeting? Is it Riley Green? Is it the Detroit Stars uniforms? I think it's just baseball, but if nothing else, it made for a fun and and uh, more positive weekend with some better stuff to talk about, especially when you get the number two prospect in all of baseball 
finally at long last on your roster. It was a feel good weekend. It was a feel good weekend. You uh, literally couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, you know, with the Saturday and Sunday games and uh, sort of like added benefit was it was a nationally broadcast game on Saturday. It was on Fox Sports 1, which was a uh, remotely broadcast boo FS1 for not actually being at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to boo him because that allowed me to watch the game. Watch the game if you catch my drift because I'm obviously in Dallas. So uh, I had to get creative if you catch my drift about watching. But when the game's on FS1, I don't have to do anything. And uh, because, you know, Sunday's pod day, that was actually when we were doing like our our family Father's Day celebration was on Saturday. So my dad's over, get to watch the game, see the you know, the Detroit Stars uniforms, as I noted on Twitter, you got him a Detroit Stars hat several years ago, and that remains his favorite. He wears it more often than anything I've ever gotten him. <laughs> and so, so it, it worked out, it worked out beautifully um, on my end. It, it, it's weird. It like, you know, you say that's just baseball, and you're 100% correct. Okay, well, before I get to my point, though, Vibes. T- you wrote this week in the Athletic about tensions. You used that word a couple times uh, in the locker room, in the clubhouse. Among you know, with, you know, this is what you're what you're observing is a long home stand. So you got obviously a lot of you got your eyes on a lot of things over and over again. A lot of people. Was there really something noticeable? And you know, this Saturday, Sunday, did it? feel like they just felt a lot better about themselves i'm not saying like the seasons turned around or anything but just like just just is it 180 is that too many degrees in terms of vibes in terms of vibes not about the season but you know what you're shaking your head right now uh, that's why i asked the question that's why i asked the question yeah i don't know like it was it was less negative i don't think it was 180 i think spring training to uh tuesday was is 180 you know, sure. it was it was a little less tense, but I'm not gonna be like the Bally broadcast that the day after the players only meeting they just talked about how there was like a ping pong tournament going on in the clubhouse as like evidence. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, these guys are in a room together for however many hours a day. Like, yeah, sometimes they play ping pong. I don't know. It was the mood was a little lighter. I think Riley's presence did kind of pick up the room. You know, I noted Mickey saying he was excited and and stuff like that. I think there was. I think everyone was happy to have Riley there. Um, obviously, when you play better, it's a little bit of an exhale. You know, Sunday's Father's Day. A lot of the people have their family, their kid. Michael Fulmer's kid did a TV interview with a popsicle in his mouth. It was awesome. If you Hopefully, Bally put that out on Twitter because that was great content. Um, they asked him if he knew how his dad did, and he just said, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was better. I also don't read that much into it because this team still has a lot of problems and I think we are now absolutely at this point not much turning back where this team has to this organization from top to bottom has to face and accept its problems and not just sit there and cross your fingers and hope things turn around. I think we are far past that point. Look, if you start playing a little better, if Riley Green gives the team a jolt, that's great. 
Um, but at the end of the day, you have a lot, a lot to solve if you ever actually want to quote unquote turn the corner in this rebuild that has been going on for a long time now. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I saw on Twitter the mention of the chance of Fire Alavila uh, that were going on in Comerica Park, and you know, this is not any sort of breaking news, but things are continue not to go well. Somebody's gonna be the be the fall guy, be the person you know, person who is responsible and he is on that short list. So, you know, not breaking any news there. Um talked about Bally. Uh I don't listen to them because I listen to Dan. But the production, the stat research that Bally does, I actually oh, very do, good. Austin do Drake like does a lot. a lot of that. That's the the strength of their broadcast for sure. Yes. So a couple things that one is very sad. The other one is sad and then turns funny. Uh, so this was earlier this week on the 14th. They noted that uh, the Tigers had their 13th pitcher starting a game this year. That is the most through 61 games in franchise history. And the record is 17, 17 starting pitchers in one season. You have to go all the way back to 1912, which was a team that had a 69-84-1 record. So, again, my initial reaction to that when you told me earlier was like, so that completely dispels this myth that, like, back in the day, we only (laughs) needed three pitchers and we'd get through a whole season. I don't know what was going on in 1912. I know it was kind of a bad year for the Tigers before they got really good, kind of in the Cobb era, but they used 17 pitchers, you know. Somebody must have gotten hurt. Someone probably went on uh, went on indefinite leave or, you know, something was going on. Yeah, had, you know, couldn't make the game because they couldn't leave their shift at the factory or something <laughs> because they weren't making that much money. You know, there could have been a litany of things uh the other stat was when when the tigers scored three runs at the beginning of the saturday's game the statistic was they scored three runs and then in their previous 39 innings they had scored two runs <laughs> which uh you know it was a whew, ouch in a variety of ways but of course they ended up scoring you know 14 here, here's some numbers. Here's some numbers that are. I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they mean. I'm just gonna say, here's what we're looking at right now. Just some very basic research. Not like this is in depth. I wouldn't claim to be that. So Robbie Grossman, this month is hitting a, a shade over 240, which is a far cry from what his overall numbers are. Uh. Six RBIs, excuse me, RBI. Six RBI this uh, this series uh, against Texas. So, you know, he's, I don't know if he's figured something out, but there's a hot hot four games for, 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 for Robbie. Yeah, he said he's gone back to who he was. He said he uh, was actually trying to elevate the ball less, you know, through some swing changes he made this offseason because good old Comerica Park was in his head. Um, now what 
exactly he's doing. They're doing one of those things where they want to keep it secret. And even AJ was like, Oh, I don't, I don't want the Red Sox to know. And Robbie talked about it in very broad terms. So whatever swing adjustment he made that I'm sure the Red Sox will pick up on film in like five minutes. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I could pick it up if I watched the film. I haven't gone back and watched the film. Like he made some kind of swing adjustment that has indeed helped him. That's good. And by the way, if it is going back to the old me or whatever, where you're just trying to hit the ball and that elevator, it, you know, Comerica Park's in my head. I would probably tell Robbie if I could ever have a serious, honest, face-to-face conversation with him. I would say, yeah, I think the baseball's more in your head than uh, actual Comerica Park. Both of those things are in his head, in which I think he, someone along the line told him to stop saying that because he was also getting asked questions about that and was not as, uh, uh, wasn't complaining about it as much as he once was, even though you could kind of tell it still bothers him. <laughs> Sure, and and look, I understand. You know these these are this is people's livings, right? Like I understand like being upset. Is That's true. That's true. There are things care, in my you know, industry that upset me. So you know what? Yeah, there. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. Everybody who has a job, it's like if someone just kind of changed something that is going to negatively affect you without really telling you, you'd. You'd be ticked off about it. That's fair. That's fair. I think I think we. That's a good way uh, to put it. You know, I, I think I think we all would say that that is fair. So, another funny little stat, or not stat, but trend, whatever. So, I think we can all agree that best friend stuff is often exaggerated when it comes to teammates. Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green make that claim. I'm not disputing it. I'm just saying. I've been around enough athletes to know a lot of that stuff is overrated. Cody, obviously, more so than I, has been around that stuff. You know, this is the closest clubhouse I've ever had. Best locker room, and, you know, it begins every single media day, beginning of season, right? Anywho, two games that Riley Green has been in the same lineup with Spencer Torkelson. He has had multiple hits. This is only, this weekend was only Spencer Torkelson's second back-to-back multi-hit stretch he did so um at the end of may he, he had back-to-back multi-hits other than that he has not had he's not strung together consecutive games with multiple hits and javi Baez, friend of the podcast i don't know if he is or not but like i said i just think everybody's a friend of the podcast so javi Baez, friend of the podcast has his second four-game hit streak of the season. Previously, that was late April into early May. So, three guys with various degrees of hitting profiles are seeing the ball and hitting the ball better or as best as they've had this season these these past this stretch of games so i mean i mean i'm not gonna overrate a four game hit streak but if it's only his second of the season and it's post talking about bias post players only meeting i'm also not gonna dismiss that and no i'm not saying it means a lot i'm just saying it's a good trend there's there's a couple good trends here going on that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying 
it's weird to know how, how, how much to make of the psychological stuff. Like, I agree a lot of times it's overrated. In the Baez case, um, I think it's pretty well documented that um, Javi can be a complicated personality, and I think the psychological factor with him is definitely real. So I believe it was actually the uh, shortly after the players' only meeting, Javi's agent was actually in town, came to check on his star client. And uh, the agent, you know, he's got like two babies at home. He normally... Guys that have already signed their big payday, like, I mean, obviously right. he still cares about them, but probably not flying and leaving his family to go visit in, in June. Uh, that happened, which I think tells you something about the depths of Javi Baez's struggles. Um, I'm un of the understanding that that the agent met with AJ Hinch, and sounds like it was kind of in a good faith like meeting of just like, hey what's the key to unlocking Javi, you know, how do I get through to this guy? And, and the agent gave some tips. And then I believe Javi as well sat down with AJ. So Javi kind of had some of his own meetings going on behind closed doors that may or may not have led to some better at bats. Um, Green and Torque, the best friends. And he thing, has had like, some better at bats. Like he has. He's still been That's... chasing a little bit, but I think even prior to this, like slowly his at bats have been getting a little bit better. Um, the best friend thing, I don't know, like, whatever, that's cool. I guess Green and Twerk are going to be uh, moving in together. I think they might live here in Ferndale, so I hope I see them um, out having fun, not instead of playing, you know, Fortnite, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and where was I going to go? Oh, but the bromance, because as overblown as these things are, I do like talking about bromances. People think Green and Twerk is the best one. You're wrong. The best bromance in the Tigers clubhouse right now is Andrew Chafin and Jason Foley. Uh, as I briefly mentioned in the yeah, story about, about Chafin, uh, look, Chafin's the country guy, farm boy from Ohio, Foley, city kid from, you know, from Manhasset outside New York. And Chafin started giving Foley a lesson of the day where he would, because Foley, like, didn't even know what a weed eater was, you know. Chafin would basically teach him, like, country stuff or stuff about cars and tractors. And it's a thing every day in the bullpen. Chafin will explain some concept to Foley that he has never heard of. <laughs> and these two are bantering with each other like an old couple um, every day in the clubhouse. Like, usually, you know, Foley makes fun of something. You know, Foley's making fun of country music. And then, you know, Chafin barks back at him. And, oh, well, in New York, you know, you have this. And it's every day, and they're actually, like, always together. I think they're, like, going out, throwing the, you know, warming up together a lot. To me, these two have become inseparable, and it's hilarious. That is awesome. Uh, and, yeah, I have to spend too much time on it, but Chapin's on a nice little roll right now. Yeah, he is. He's on a nice, pitcher. He's on a nice roll, I believe. At one point, he has, between two games, he has struck out five straight, something like that. Uh, his last uh, six batters he's faced, he's struck them all out. Okay, so so it got to six. Okay, yeah, so, you know, hard, hard to complain about that. And, uh, you know, the... And speaking of relief pitchers, I just want to... I can I can I can I spend like a minute defending Gregory Soto? No, I, I think minute? I think you should. I mean, I think my lack of like 
viewing Soto as the most trustworthy closer is kind of well documented. And I've also written about, this guy's still really good. This guy does not actually blow a lot of saves, you know? I don't know if you... That's what I'm saying. Right. So, Go ahead. So, like, people, so like, people, like, on Twitter, and I love all y'all, but, like, the, the, the... The problem with Twitter is that it's like a lot of mob and like groupthink, and it's like Gregory Greg Soto blows his second save of the season, mm-hmm. second save of the season, and it sucks. And you're hurt because you wanted this win, you know, the beginning series, a very winnable series. Obviously, the Rangers are a little bit better than the Tigers, but it's a very winnable series. And he blows it. He, 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 some of the worst, I don't want to say worst, but some of the glares in his game, the blemishes in his game come out in this situation. And he blows a save. That is not a referendum on him overall this season. And it was not warranted to sarcastically say all-star, closer, blah, blah, blah. As if he... Had not had anything go well for him last year. As if he has not done well this year. I'm not saying he's Mariano Rivera here. Or Trevor Hoffman. I'm saying he's come up big in various situations. And he's just kind of gone the route of an above average leverage reliever this year. And that was a situation where it didn't go his way. So, to... It just, it really, it really upset me that it became this thing where it's like, yeah, this is your all star, this is your closer, and you throw like some like clip where he had like a pit, like a wild pitch that you know that pitch against Cleveland, I think, where it went like ten feet above the catcher or whatever. It's like, you gotta understand, there's a lot of games in baseball, there's a lot of pitches thrown. And I don't want this to come across as me overrating the guy, but we're talking, I don't know. It just kind of bothered me that it was like Gregory Soto, part of the clown show. He's not part of the clown show. There's a lot of teams that would love to have a Gregory Soto. You know, a lot. No, Good teams. Let me jump in. I mean, I think, I think the game the other night, I think he should have been pulled from that game like I think AJ should have had someone up and ready earlier especially after how he gets the uh the comebacker off of him even though he was fine you know I I just wasn't sure about that and as I've said usually you can tell good Soto from bad Soto um also his slider just hasn't been there he really needs to get that pitch back that is what turned him into a legit all-star and he's kind of lost the feel for that pitch um if he doesn't have that pitch it is a little bit of a different story but in the broad scheme of Gregory Soto, the idea that he's like not good is, uh, in the words of Mike Gundy, fiction. Uh, you know how many saves Gregory Soto has blown in his career? Four. No, five. Um, one, all of last season. 19 save opportunities, 18 saves. Two this season. Uh, as Dan Dickerson often points out, his whip is a little high for a closer. You know, generally he's letting guys on base. He does have a knack for getting out of it because he's such a good strikeout pitcher. That's still a little bit concerning long-term. And again, he doesn't have as many save opportunities as he might on a winning team. 
I think he might be better served as like a seventh, eighth inning guy on on like a World Series caliber team or something like that. But Soto's pretty good, and if he gets the feel for the slider back, like he's he's legit. That's just a fact. His ERA is two point eight eight. He's good. There are things to worry about, and there and there are things to just kind of be like, okay. And he's not a worry about guy. You can do the, you know, okay, because you know, like you said, good, bad, Soto. That's that's part of the experience right now. He's still, he's still young in his bullpen closer career. Uh, and if you look at like the history of a lot of these guys, they don't really get that form. It happens a lot later than you would think. About, uh, I'm not saying he has a. He's going to be one of the all-time great closers or anything. But if you look at the history of the best closers of all time, they weren't just, like, racking up saves at 23 years old. You know, so uh, that that's just part of it. So I just thought that was a little unfair to Greg Soto. Um, I, I just, it's, it's like a tiny note here. Uh, because I'm fresh off Sunday's game, and I know the Tigers won, and, you know, like, you know, pretty comfortably, you know, 7-3. Uh at one point this year, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it today. But at one point this year I'm gonna do a sliding rant. <laughs> because I am sick and tired of bases not being had because of poor sliding. Spencer Torvalson probably should have been out today. Yeah, he was out. He, he was out and he was called Grossman Robbie Grossman should have was Robbie right should have had a stolen base was it Robbie, uh was called out. Yeah, um, yeah, Robbie was thrown out. Yeah, he he beat the throw, mm-hmm. but he had a bad slide because he emphasis on pop. Okay, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, I'm not gonna get into it. We baseball in general, the art of sliding is completely lost. That said, because uh, I have the MLB app. You know, pulled up with stats and videos and all that stuff uh, as we're recording. Uh, shout out Javi Baez for a sick slide in the home when the throw beat his ass and uh, was able to uh, uh, to score a second run on. Uh, I believe it was Grossman. Was it Grossman? No, no, Spencer Torkelson's uh, Spencer Torkelson's uh, two RBI single. Uh, he should have been out. But he wasn't because he slid well. So shout out Javi Baez on on, on that faction. Maybe that maybe that's one of those things that's like maybe one of those small indicators of like galvanizing things where you can you know you, you score the extra run, you do something a little flare, a little extra. Those are kind of those like small things that I look for a lot. Um, AJ hit suggestion box as we kind of wrap up here. What you got? Well, actually, whoa, 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 whoa. before we go to the suggestion box, we gotta give credit. We gotta give credit. That was a hell of a ejection montage. He wasn't technically ejected for the argument, but the montage was A+. plus, As they say, uh, no notes, as they say on Twitter. Uh, that was awesome. It was fun to listen to Dan talk about it on the radio, and then the video gets you know percolated through Twitter. Uh, the just caught enough audio. I would pay a subscription about what I pay for MLB.tv 
to uh, to just get unfiltered, especially AJ, but just in general, unfiltered uh, argument audio. Um, so, but galvanize the team. Our boy, friend of the podcast, George Lombard, uh, takes over. Uh, that was a great ejection, Cody. Uh, was. I would put it. I, I would put it. I would put. It, I'd say four, four to four and a half stars out of five. You know, you didn't get ejected by arguing and then arguing more. But you get ejected from the dugout and then you say your piece. I loved it. It was good. By far his best of his three ejections in the Tigers uni. It's defending the player. He just walks out of the dugout with some conviction. You just knew he was getting tossed. He's yelling. Camera picks up a couple curse words. Again, yeah. Man, I want to hear the rest of the rant. I bet it was hilarious. Um, big time. Big time. Yeah. Good job, AJ, on the ejection. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so my suggestion box is, I don't know if there's more than two examples of this, but, you know, the we talk about, and I said sliding's a lost art. Uh, another lost art is managers wearing actual jerseys, and I get it. I get it. I get it. What what they mostly wear, what they wear is hella more comfortable. I get it. Uh, but opening day, Tigers win. AJ because it's opening day wearing the full uniform with the jersey. And on Saturday, wearing the Detroit Stars jersey, Tigers won big. So my suggestion is implement the jersey a little bit more, AJ. You look good. You're a manager. Yeah, you know, wear, wear, wear the jersey. It looks good on you. And uh, there's a thousand, one point oh 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 win percentage, unless he wore another game that I can't remember, of wearing the jersey. So my suggestion is wear the jersey a little bit more. You have to do it every time. But, you know, pick your spots here. Don't just do it because it's something special. Pick your spots. Pick your spots. So wear, wear, wear the jersey. That would be my suggestion for AJ Hinch. All right, I like that. I think mine, I'm not necessarily saying Spencer Torkelson needs to go down. I talked with AJ about this a couple days ago and, and didn't really put in my thoughts, was just listening to what he was saying. And I think there are kind of some conflicting thoughts within the organization on can you keep him up, can he go down. As you as you mentioned, he's had hits in consecutive games. Um, ideally, he continues with that trend. But I also posted on Twitter just his heat maps and it's getting painful to watch the guy just miss mistakes, be unable to drive pitches that are over the plate, his timing. I mean, he's just, he's just never on time and you know, he's a better hitter than that. Uh, it's gotten to the point where this is a big sample now and it, it's just, it's not been productive for the team. Uh, I don't think it can be productive. I get wanting him to work through those struggles at the MLB level I think he has had an extended opportunity and has not been able to do it. So I hope he turns around. I hope he continues to hit the ball. If he doesn't, I don't think you can be stubborn about this forever. I think you got to sit him down just for a couple weeks. Um, and if that happens, don't you dare put Jonathan Scope at first base because uh, he's too good of a defender at second, and I think AJ knows that. But I think you could get by with like Harold Castro and Cody Clemens at first for a couple weeks, um, and you would be all right. And maybe let Torque just clear his head. Like I wonder. I think that's part of what worked for Grossman. He had the IL stint, man. He comes back. It's like it's like he's a new man. Um, 
So again, I don't know if it's going to come to that, but another couple weeks of this, and that would just be my suggestion. I wouldn't leave Torque down long. I would I would give him a little breath, and I think you could do, make do with Clemens and Castro at first if you really had to. Yeah, I mean, I am, I am conflicted on that. I don't disagree with that notion in the slightest. Uh, I. You know, you said you could get by with a couple guys at first, and I'm not again, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, I really do just like watching the defense him play is real. Base, the though. defense is really good, and, and I, I still, I have visions down the line of maybe him becoming a gold. I think he could win a gold glove. I talked to a scout I, who I, wrote I, last year that he could win a gold glove at first base. So I said, could he be Mark Teixeira? That was one of the things yeah. that I had said on this podcast, and uh, defensively. Don't know if I have to come off that take. Uh, so, like, just again, could. Not prediction. Could. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, I would hate for that for the defense, especially, you know, it happened today. Like, Baez, and we've talked about it, Baez just has this trust in him. It's kind of like a, uh, it's like Baez is a quarterback and Torque is, you know, the big play receiver, the Megatron or whatever. It's like, I have trust in you. I'll just throw it up and... You know, I trust that you'll make the play more often than uh, than not. But it is a it is a hitting league, so that's that's very real, and that is the most important thing. So, I, like I said, can't say you're wrong, but I would really just like miss not having him on the infield, and hopefully, it overall just doesn't come to that. So, uh, anyway, before we wrap up here, anything else you want to plug, Cody? You know, um, we'll continue to have some good stories on The Athletic. I think Ken Rosenthal might be dropping in a Tigers story in the next coming week. Uh, so I'd be sure to check that out. I'm sure it'll have some good nuggets. And I'll be on the radio with Dan Dickerson Tuesday at Fenway Park, innings 4, 5, and 6. I'm going to see if he'll let me stay in there for 7, 8, 9. We'll see. But middle innings Tuesday from Fenway. Hope you guys will tune in on WXYT 97.1, the ticket. That's awesome. I love that in uh, many aspects. That's uh, that's great, and and also it's it's great for Dan. So he doesn't. So he has a little bit, for lack of a better term, relief when he's on the road. He's on his own. Like that. That sucks. You know. So uh, so great that you're doing it. Love the other riders that do it as well. Just because it's uh it's it's a great thing all around. I I really do love the Detroit media for the Tigers and how they all kind of interact in different ways and help each other out. You've been on the pregame recently. Uh so so that's that's awesome. Uh you can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. If you feel so inclined, please give us a five star review. That would be great. And Subscribe, Apple, Spotify, subscribe to The Athletic with the ever-lasting $1 for six months, $1 a month for six months deal. It doesn't get any better than that. That will cover you to, you know, I'm no math major, but that will cover you through basically the entire offseason if you want Tigers coverage. And, of course, you get the uh, whole scope of The Athletic. It's hard to top that deal. So, hopefully... You guys do that and enjoy Cody's work. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope everybody had a great Father's Day, whether you're a father or a son or a daughter. hope everybody enjoyed the holiday, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.